This is Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. I am part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm recording this at Vox Media headquarters in New York City. In a minute, we're going to go back in time to my hotel room in Austin, Texas, where I talked to Ben Rubin, the founder of House Party, also the founder of Meerkat. But first, my very brief request to tell someone about this show, but only if you like it. Uh, on Facebook, Twitter, in person, you can go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review us. You can go anywhere you listen to this podcast and rate and review us. It helps us, so thanks in advance. Okay, we're about to go to Austin. Sometimes the media podcasting business is very glamorous. You get to record in a really cool space. Sometimes you're in a pretty small hotel room with two other dudes, one of whom's sweating a lot, sitting on your bed. That was this situation. But it was cool because I talked to Ben Rubin, um, a really interesting entrepreneur. A few years ago, came out of nowhere. Golda loves this story from the sweating. Came out of nowhere with Meerkat, uh, which was a really hot app for about a minute before Twitter crushed it. Then he pivoted that into House Party, which I think is a pretty popular app right now. We talked about that process, um, how you pivot a company, what he's learned. Um, amazingly enough, Ben Rubin is the kind of guy who comes to South by Southwest not to promote his company, but to hang out uh, and to drink a beer with me. We drank a beer during this podcast as well. That was exciting. All right, enough preamble. Here is me and Ben Rubin talking in Austin. I'm here in a hotel room. It's not that fancy a hotel room, but it's a hotel room um, in Austin. South by Southwest, if you hear ambient noise, that's South by Southwest's ambient noise coming to you. I'm here with Ben Rubin, who I've had uh, conversations with before back when he ran Meerkat. Now he runs House Party. Welcome back, Ben. Hey, thanks for having me. And you're right off the boat, too, so thanks for coming like straight from the airport to come talk yeah. to me in my tiny hotel room in Austin. It's very cozy here. I want to talk to you about House Party and what you're doing now, but I want to go back in time a little bit, because the last time I talked to you in Austin was... Three years ago, is that right? Yeah. You had launched Meerkat. You yeah. were, I think, we were just talking about this off the air. You were like the last big hot app to come to South By. There was a ton of excitement about you. It was a live streaming app. Yeah. And I'll let you talk in a second. You're good at talking. But the story was, and you can go look it up, you had launched. People were excited about what you were doing. It was on. You were acquiring users through Twitter. It was really interesting. Then it turns out that Twitter has spent their own $100 million buying Periscope, which did more or less the same thing. They sort of made it more difficult for you to do work. People love, But people love your story because you had become this viral app. And I was talking to you three years ago, and you were in this swirl of publicity and now things are much calmer. Yeah. So welcome back. That's Thank my you. long Thanks preamble. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just asking you, like, I assumed that you were going to be promoting something for House Party here, but you're just here to hang. Yeah, I'm here. Um, I'm here to see friends, uh, people that and colleagues, yeah. and it's a great opportunity to get the boat coast in the same place and get to have some beers and enjoy it. Is I haven't been last year. The, the the is South by still a useful place if you have an app, a consumer facing thing that you want to promote. Is it is it useful to come here for that reason? So when you ask it, you're alluding, like I know uh, how this. It works to promote an app here, but what happened, for example, with Meerkat was that it caught us by surprise. We didn't, we didn't plan anything. So even if I did know, and I don't know, <laughs> you know, I don't have the answer. Um, but with what happened with uh, with Meerkat in South by it was that two weeks before the conference, people were already streaming and talking about Meerkat at South by. Yeah, it looked like this carefully planned publicity blitz you'd done. But yes, but it was just me, uh, uh, a chubby guy with a yellow T-shirt that didn't even know that he's going to South by four days before that. So yeah, um, and so 
again, I do want to talk about House Party, but what was that experience like? Because Meerkat blew up, became this huge thing, or at least press-wise became a huge thing. You raised a bunch of money, and you pivoted out of that that company within the year, right? Like, I think by that fall. Within three months. Yeah. Um, I think that what we realized is that... Um, People stopped having meaningful connection, but they never stopped wanting a meaningful connection. So they they just, if you look at how a broadcast is, and if you look at how the one-to-many medium is, uh, what we learned very quickly, and Meerkat was a third iteration of other live streaming uh, apps or products, and what we realized very fast that we cannot get what we set our mission for. We cannot get the things that we wanted to, which is to connect people in the most human way possible when they're apart. And what we saw is that the amount of people who can create a meaningful live content on a daily basis is very, very few. Because it, it, it's not it's rocket hard. science to make content, but it actually it turns out it takes some work. And, and to do it live... It's a really specific skill set, and that's why, by the way, when you watch, you know, Stephen Colbert, like he has forty people working twenty four seven. He's not just getting up and riffing. Exactly, and um, when we realized that that it's going to be about content, we said, "All right, the big companies are, you know, Facebook just said, all right, we're going to do, we're going to do live as well,' and Twitter was, "Uh, we're going to do live as well," and we were looking at the metrics and. One thing for sure was that retention for broadcasters was not there. People were broadcasting once or twice and then going away? Yeah, something like that. Uh-huh. And we realized um, that we have to rethink our position in the market and what we want to do with our mission. And the thing that came out to our, the metaphor that we used is that live video is a stage. And uh, what we want to do actually is a house party because nobody, not every person can go on a stage right. every day. And that got you house party is something that got people you love. House party. But I'm just, I mean, again, because you have to sort of go back and look at the coverage yeah. and you can go back and look at the video. But, but people were so excited about you. You raised, I think, 12 million bucks kind yeah. of immediately. Um, and so I get eventually deciding, hey, this thing we thought was going to work isn't going to work. We're going to pivot. Yeah. But you said you did it within three months. Yeah. So is I that is that you looking at the numbers and going, this isn't going to work? Is it your investors coming to you and saying, dude, you got to oh, rethink? Oh, no. So, so there's two kinds of pivots. There is a pivot from courage and there is a pivot from fear. The pivots for fear always come too late and three months before you run out of money. And you always pivot to something weird. Where you realize uh, way too late that you're screwed. Yes. And a pivot from courage, this is the one where everybody's shaking in the chairs in the board meeting. And actually... Everybody was afraid because I was kind of this crazy guy who just raised $12 million and come to the boardroom after three months and say, this is not going to work. You're going to see that it's not going to work. And the reason it's not going to work is because we now have millions of users and we see that they don't broadcast the way we thought they would. And even now when you look at live, live one too many uh, as a space... It's not as big as everybody thought it's Yeah, crazy. no, you can tell, right? Let's, I mean, uh, Meerkat didn't succeed, but really uh, Periscope doesn't seem to be blowing up. And, and Facebook Live was a thing because Facebook was pushing it. But now they've stopped pushing it and it seems to have gone away. So what I'm trying to say basically is that sometimes you need to be the – sometimes you need to just bet your career and what you're working on it because you feel that something is right. And I feel that this is what we did. We realized that – it's not going to give us to the place of a meaningful connection. 
um, that we want to get. And we shift the way we think about the product as a metaphor. And we started deducting from the new metaphor that we want, the house party metaphor versus the stage so, metaphor. So you have this thing baked in your head. You go to the board. You say, this is what I want to do. Is it is it a vote right then and there? Or do you have to persuade them? So you go into the room and you show the data. And you will see viewership goes up. But broadcasters is flat and returning broadcasters. And actually, a side note, the only big healthy ecosystem of live one-to-many platform is Twitch. And guess what's the KPI they optimize for? This is the live gaming thing that Amazon now owns. Yes. I don't know. Broadcast their attention. That's that's what's their... Which, no- well, let's explain it because KPI is some business speak that doesn't always... So yeah, the, main, uh, the main metric they care about... Yeah, key performance in The main metric like, they care about is is what? Is the retention of the broadcasters. Like how many people come back and continue to stream. That's, how, Twi- that's how you believe Twitch is valuing... That's what I know from Justin Khan, actually. Is, yeah, is that's, yeah, that's the thing they Maybe care about the most is yeah. are broadcasters coming back? Yeah. And that's the logic there, right? Is if the broadcasters are coming back, they're doing it because they're getting value out exactly. of it, which means that so exactly. there's a healthy ecosystem. And I feel like Meerkat and and everyone else that was in the space, um, we were all kind of uh, optimizing for the uh, time people watch are right. watching and how many people are watching, like like TV. Like TV, exactly. And when you're doing cable, when you're doing content, then whoever has the money will have the content. And that's exactly what's the pitch for the board is like the people who got the money are going to have the best content and they're going to have the platform. And we don't, we cannot compete with Facebook or Twitter on that. And we think we have a better idea that actually, if you think about it, if, if one out of 100 people yep. is a person that can be on stage, then we're going to do something for the 99 People. Was there any thought that saying, well, look, instead of pivoting, why don't you either one, return the money back to us or two, like, why don't we figure out how to sell this thing before someone realizes it's not working? Um, you know, because the, the, you've got a hot app, you're smart enough to figure out that it's not going to be hot eventually, but going and trying to create another thing from scratch, there's a lot of risk there. Was so there someone saying, let's figure out how to just save what we have here? I did that proactively. I'm yeah. Like, if you guys don't believe in that road, we can, we can give you back the money. Nobody wanted that. Yeah. So that was great. And so here we are with House Party. Because House Party, yeah. we, well, you launched it, well, I guess, not you, kind of a few months later, right? Like By like the fall? Um, House Party, we launched a year a year after we decided to pivot. Okay. It but took you, us you were, time to, to, to beta test it. And by uh, September 2016, yeah. uh, we had a million users. All right. so we, were, we were writing about it before, yeah. but you, you hadn't formally launched it. Yeah, you guys, you guys got some info and intel about the beta that we were working on, and um, yeah, and since then, uh, early 2017, we raised uh, 52 million dollars from Sequoia, and um, yeah, wanted to talk about House Party. With your 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 holding company is Life on Air, right? Yes. That's, okay. Um, so House Party is is the is the app. Um, usually you're going to come tell me about how great the app is and how many users you have. You're not doing that today, though, right? You're not giving me numbers? No. <laughs> I think that at this point, everyone have uh, access to all the other services and they can know by themselves. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so the, the idea of the app is it's, it's a group chat streaming video. That's, yeah. If you, if you have to write it, if you have to... If you yeah. dumb it down, yeah, that's where you end down, up at. Yeah. But the point of... The point of a house party is presence. Uh, even on a meta level, I feel like we kind of lost the point of 
being present, even when you look at it as as mindfulness, like, am I really here with you? Are we talking? Do we have a connection? And the, if you really want to dump down house party, it would be a video chat that is organized around presence. Like I'm here, I'm, I can talk to other people. So it's FaceTime with a bunch of people, is the, is, if I really wanted to stupefy it. <laughs> it's, it's FaceTime, yeah. It's FaceTime as if every one of your friends on FaceTime would know that you're there and they can join right. and, and, and know that you're talking and who you're talking to and jump in and out, just exactly like real life, yeah. So the older I get, the more sort of social media and digital media stuff becomes not for me, <laughs> out of the demo. Um, but I really can't imagine a scenario where I want to talk to multiple people at the same time and for an extended period of time. So who, who's your, who's your, who are you designing this for? So before I answer that, I'll ask you if you still grab beers with friends, more than one friend. One or two. Two? Max, yeah. Max? Yeah. So the thing is that a lot of, like, everybody has this two or three, um, two or three friends that they would love to FaceTime to, and they can FaceTime any minute. They have a license to FaceTime, yeah. FaceTime them out of the blue. But there's another 20 people who you kind of, it's going to be weird if Peter kind of FaceTimes me out of the blue. Why right. should I answer this? And what we're trying to do with House Party is saying that's actually okay for you to be to say I'm around and for your friends to opt in and then their friends or friends or your mutual friends can join in. And there's something very beautiful about that moment because that's, I think, that's one of the beautiful things about the internet and about connected networks of the internet, the ability to have connection that you would otherwise not have. And I think that when everything became flattened as a two-dimensional feed where things are being cropped and edited and you can like and comment, a real dialogue between people is bringing back empathy that I think we're kind of missing from the... But who, so, but who, who wants to talk this way? When you, uh, do you think uh, this is... So- 20-year-olds, this is 12-year-olds. So you can't, you can't make it for... Th- even if 12-year-olds are using it, you can't say that's the case, right? Because of COVID the, laws. We thought that house party was usually used by tween, uh-huh. uh, tweens. Uh, teens. Yeah. Um, you really and, mean tweens, you just can't say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what we realized, um, especially last year as we got it bigger and bigger and we started knowing more things about our users is that there is the utility use case that really appeals for almost half of our user who is 24 and older. And They're doing work with it. Doing work or just find it as the best way to talk to their friends, period, because they don't need to set up a call. There is not yeah. the transactional format of I'm calling you, would you pick up? Oh, why did Pe- Peter calls me? Do I need to call back? Like all of those things. And we see different types of use, like uh, adults use it on, on different times of the week and different times of the day than teens. And teens really use the use case of hanging out with their friends. Um, but because the app is so simple, Kind of both uh, uh, both sides of the of the of the users uh, found found value in this, and the reason we thought that teens uh, last year we were convinced that the teens were most of the of the users, um, is because I, I, you have two kids. Yep. Seven, How old? Seven and nine. Seven and nine. So I don't know if you know that, but they are probably going to have much less sex that the same age group when they are adolescents. They are probably not going to get into uh, crash accidents. Um, they are going to hang out with their friends 40% less in real life 
than the same age group that you and I were pre-internet. This is a mix of things you're telling me from processing them all. All right, go on. They're less likely to explore outside and outside of their comfort zone between 20 to 40 percent. And that means that they are in danger less and that means they are exploring less. And it also means that they are talking to people in real life 40 percent less. That and part I believe. Because they do screens. So all of this, I can send you yeah. the no, the yeah. full the full uh, research. But um, what I think is happening, and we see it in across multiple channels, is that since in 2011, since smartphones became uh, like crossed 50 percent penetration in the states, and social networks became ubiquitous, people are moving more and more. Uh, kids basically uh, under 21 are moving more to spend more of their time with of where they define their social territory from outside to their bedrooms around two sure. or three hours a day actually now yeah I mean I, I can imagine a scenario where they're going to be on some device and they're going to figure out that Instagram is actually a messaging platform and they're going to or whatever the next thing is so but this is actually why I also would think from the outside house party would be a hard sell because You've got a world where everyone's texting each other. Yeah. And they're doing it asynchronous. And you know, if you call someone right now as a reporter, the reaction you get when you actually call them on the phone, like, why would you possibly You can always call, call me. I, I, I did do call you. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, the, the, like, uh, the, the idea of synchronous live conversation seems very counterintuitive so right now. So you would be so surprised to see how many kids who didn't get... So think about it that way. When you and I were 13, 14, and we wanted to hang with friends, you would have this sheet from the teacher that says, uh, uh, like, everyone in their number, and you would call home and say, like, hey, can I talk to Peter? Yeah. Hey, Peter, do you want to hang in the library? And we would actually go and talk to each other, and then you would, we would walk around and maybe meet another friends, and that's how we would build our social skills and our social tools. When this thing is becoming more and more diminished and people having a different understanding or perspective of what their social life consists of, I think it's a bit skewed. And it's not that there's something wrong with social media, but I think we need to balance Yeah, no, it. no, but you're making the case about why you think it's a good thing that people do this. But I'm, what I'm saying is you're building a product um, that from the outside would seem like you're, you're swimming against the stream. And it's hard enough, as you know, to build a company. <laughs> it's hard to run a startup. And so if you say, I think people should do the following, and it's the opposite of what people are actually doing. It seems like that's not the best way to run a company. Actually, um, we did last year, we did half a billion parties, which is conversation with more, more than two people. And our average users use it for 51 minutes a day. So the, what, what we are learning from this, and this is going to the point about like why we thought teens are using it, is that we are bringing back an aspect that is actually missing from the uh, age groups of teens for the teen demographic that they don't have now, which is how can I meet, have a conversation with someone I wouldn't otherwise have? And that brings back empathy that we lost in the past decade. I feel like it's so easier. It's easier to troll someone behind the keyboard. But if I, if you're going on a house party and a friend or friends joins your room and is somebody from a different uh, socioeconomic background or somebody you usually wouldn't talk to, and you're face to face. You cannot be a dick yeah, no, to no. them. Yeah, no, like there's, you cannot be a lot, There's a lot of tough guys on Twitter that, if you meet them in person, don't really, <laughs> uh, are not so tough. Um, although you imagine the, the number of adults who don't get that idea. Um, what 
when you did Meerkat, you built it on sort of the back of the Twitter graph, yeah. and Twitter came in and said, you can't do that. Yeah. So you have something that's not exactly parallel here, but you, you, you're building House Party. It's an interesting product. Um, and then Facebook starts looking around, and, and they suddenly become interested in live group chat, and they now have a, a group viewing thing they're playing around with. Um, how do you think about operating a world where Facebook, could be anybody, but really Facebook, could come and say, we are going to absolutely do what you're doing, um, except we're going to launch it across 2 billion people with, with, enormous, with enormous leverage. How do, you, how do you think about participating in that world or navigating through that world? I think you need to accept that the way the game works is when you're building something that is interesting and people spend time on and like it and use it more and more, you should be okay with the fact that other people will come and say, hey, we want to be inspired from your idea. We're going to, we're going to use the things that we think work for me, then we're going to do it ourselves. Why? You sound because, very zen about this, but I can't imagine you're that zen at night. Let me tell you why I'm zen about it. Yeah. Because when we are going to be that big and there's going to be somebody who's doing something very interesting, we are going to learn what is interesting about it and we are going to see how we can do it ourselves because this is just... You're going to crush the life out of some little guy one day. I'm not. I'm, no, that's not. <laughs> no, that's definitely not what I'm saying. I, I think that there's a beer. way. This is our first beer podcast, by the way. So That's nice. Thanks I'm for, glad thanks I could be the first beer, yeah. the beer podcast. Um, but so, okay, what so I'm so saying, you, 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 have a chill, you have a chilled out answer and you're, you're basically, it sounds like you're saying oh, we have to do my job. And one day I, I may return the favor and, and steal someone else's idea. I think that when when you bucket things as steel or yeah. crush, I think that's not that's not the the intention at all that I have in mind. But I think that you're right. There is a there is a good faith way of being inspired by ideas, and that's what we do all the time. When you read, I'm sure that when you read somebody who articulates something very good in in an article they wrote, you're like, wow, that's a really ni- uh, interesting perspective of how they break down and 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 topic. And you take a little bit of this just in the back of your head, right? And I'm, and there are ways to do it without being an asshole. How do you? What is different for you as a startup CEO this time around than during the the Meerkat phase, which was a short phase? And then you've you've done stuff in the past, right? You said that Meerkat itself was a pivot from a couple different things. Um, what what have you learned along the way that you didn't know the last time I talked to you in Austin? So for me, my best friend is the vision. It was always the same thing, like bring people together in the most human way possible when they're physically apart. And when I went to college to study architecture, that was like creating new encounters for people. That was the thing that got me into the door. And when I realized I can do it with live video, that was where I decided I'm moving on to do it with live video. And I feel like a lot of times an entrepreneur would go to a a problem and they would try to become the entrepreneur, not the not solve the problem. And this is where it doesn't have strong foundation to deal with whatever shit they throw at you. And they will throw shit at you. And for me, I care a lot about the work and what we're trying to do. And I also know that it's not we're not curing cancer and we're not solving the problem of clear water, for, like clean water for 80% of the world. But there's something beautiful about making sure that your kids are going to have also the best facial expression to a conversation, not just the best emoji. And 
this is this is what I. It, so you're this positive guy. I mean, it's one of the reasons I like talking to you, right? And one of the reasons I think a lot of people like you is you're positive and and you're uh, ebullient. It's a good word. Um, bullion, wait, I'm not from means, here. What is ebullient? Ebullient. We, we'll, we'll Google it afterwards. Um, I think I'm using it correctly. Um, <laughs> it's a good SAT word, and I think that's really one of the reasons you have the success you've had. But there's also some blocking and tackling and sort of learning how to lead yeah. a team. And, and so I'm assuming you've figured out some stuff over the last couple of years that you didn't know. Yeah, I think that a lot of assumptions, like you go into something and you think it's about the product and then you understand that it's about the team that makes the product. And then you understand that how you are, uh, you could be very beneficial, but also very uh, distracting to the team if you're not conducting yourself or surrounding yourself with the right people. And it's something that I keep like I keep I learn every day, and I always have this joke that I say to Josh Elman uh, that he that is Greylock VC that invested invested in Mirka that ha, um, his twelve million was to pay my tuition. <laughs> what, is, what does Josh Elman say when you, when you tell him that? He I laughs can't. anxiously. <laughs> Hello, Josh. If you're listening, you'll probably hear this now. Yeah. Um, so you're not here to promote a house party in Austin. Yeah. Um, how do you think about in in the app ecosystem when you do sort of want to tell people, hey, I've got an exciting new feature or there's a new thing and you haven't tried House Party yet, but you should. Do you feel like you've got a handle on how to sort of message people? I think that's one of the hardest things as a developer is to even, we just had Steven Soderbergh on this thing and he's, he's got an app called Mosaic and you get to watch your own movie and assemble your own scenes and no one's heard of it. Yeah. Right? And that's HBO and Steven Soderbergh and he's, he has a hard time yeah. getting attention. How do you think about marketing? So I think that what I've realized is that there's so much noise. There is so much fucking noise and everybody wants to be a new Mark Zuckerberg and everybody, like everybody wants to do something. And the best way to get publicity is to understand what is really that you're solving. And when you solve it, the aha moment in the product, you need to slap it in the face of the user as soon as possible. And if you do that, the aha moment, the aha moment in the product, the the in house party, um, around two minutes after you sign up, like at least median, the median of the users sign up, they get to talk to somebody they know, and within that that twenty four hours, sixty seven percent of them will have a conversation with three people or more, and that's the aha moment of house party. They're like, wow, I just did something I couldn't do before, and the best marketing technique you could ever had is to slap your users with your aha moment as when soon in. as possible. As soon as possible. But you're saying once they've already picked up the app. Yeah, but the thing is that if you're doing something really valuable, yeah. the first 100 people that you can do, literally, you can get your friends and family, they will use it and they will talk right. about so it with their it's, friends. It's make something awesome and assume slash hope that the people who are using that will tell other people. You should never assume. Right. You should always build some instrumentation that makes sure that it keeps you, you non-scalably, not through like media and stuff, put in more and more hands. And you would know pretty fast if you have something because the moment you would go to two, three schools or colleges in our case, when we started the beta and every week we were in different college, we knew by the sixth college that we have something because the, the college, the first college has picked up and the second college yeah. picked up. And um, that's where you can start seeing some conversation happening on Twitter about people talking about their moments and people are getting excited. And this is the thing that you can go to whoever it is that you want to pitch something uh, to show them exactly what it is. Because the thing is, 
it always comes down to the product, at least when we're talking about product and not a sales company or something like that. It always comes down to the product. And if you're not excited about it, then your users are not excited about it. If your users are not excited about it, no, no one's going to write about it. And it's just going to go, it, 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 is, it, just, it is what it is. And you see people just like go into the wall and try to do it over and over. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, that's a, is that a positive note to go out on? It's, it's reasonably positive. Make a good product. Don't bang your head against the wall. Yeah, make, make a good product. Exactly. Make a good product. That's the best marketing tactic I think exists. Ben, you, you surprised, I mean, I, I got to say, I like talking to you because you surprised me and the biggest surprise is you came to South by Southwest not to do business, but to have, have a good hang. So yes. Good for you. Thank you for coming. <laughs> thanks for coming to the hotel room. Thank you uh, for having me. Thanks to poor Luke here. He's our engineer. He's literally sitting in my bed sweating <laughs> while he holds a microphone. He does awesome work. If you're, in, you, if you're in Austin, you need to record a podcast in your hotel room or something else, call Luke. Um, thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks again to Ben Rubin for talking to me at South by Southwest last week. That was a lot of fun. Thanks to Luke Quinton, who sat on my bed and held a microphone in front of Ben. Um, he went above and beyond. He should get hazard pay for that episode. Thank you, Luke. We appreciate it. Good luck in Texas. And before we go, one more time, if you like this show, tell someone else about it. You're smart, so we don't need to tell you how to tell someone else about it. Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to Cadence 13 and Vox Media, who bring those sponsors to you so you can listen to Recode Media for free. Thanks to Joel Robbie, who edits the show, and to my producers, Gold Arthur and Eric Johnson. This is Recode Media. I'm back next week. See you then.